what we do here is go back, 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 back. New trend alert. Tell me something honest. The tuck roll game against the Raiders. Might have been a fumble. Welcome back to another edition of the Raider Take Podcast. I am Mike McDonald. With me as always is Andy McDonald. And it's official. Tom Brady has allegedly admitted that potentially the tuck rule game was a fumble. He also said, hard to tell. And he'd be hard-pressed to go against the refs who probably made the right call. (laughs) Andy, how are you and your thoughts? I'm, I'm doing good. I'm a little congested. Forgot how much <clears throat> I miss Paradise's allergies, um, but I'm good. You know, Brady. I, they had the the, the Tuck Rule documentary with C. Wood. I don't know if you watched that, but you could tell he he was already feeling that way. But it's I'm glad he's finally being honest about something um, for once in his life. So it's good. We all we all knew it was a fumble this whole time, but you know, glad we're finally. It doesn't change anything. Honestly, make if anything, it makes me feel worse about the Tuck Rule, and I had thought I had forgotten about it and gotten over it after years of therapy, but now he's just rehashing old wounds and you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. But yeah. How do you feel about this? Yeah. Kind of of the same thing. (laughs) It's like, all right, man, I guess it's admitting things is the first step, you know, but it's something that people like it. The documentary rehashed it, you know, they had a whole documentary about it. I was like, Oh, that's dope. And then now he's bringing it up again. So it's like, yeah, whatever. If you're going to admit it, like that's fine, but we're, we're on to bigger and better things, man. You know, just like this, <clears throat> the draft, just like the draft that concluded um, recently, um, you know, obviously big, big buildup. We, we spent some time on it. I know there's a lot of off season Raider stuff that we had to cover as well, but you know, that's, that's really what we're going to be talking about today. As noted, on the, in the run-up to the draft, the Raiders traded their first and second round pick um, in the Devontae Adams deal. So had their first pick started in the third round. Um, so we'll break down that <clears throat> that group for you guys, um, talk a little bit about this um, new class that the Raiders are, have added. And then we'll get into um, reviewing my top five quarterbacks um, from my rankings, where they went, predictions that I had compared to the results of where they were selected, which will be an interesting exercise so it's going to be a draft episode. Um, you want to jump into this thing? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. So Raiders had a third, um, first pick in the third round, um, pick number 90. They selected Dylan Parham, offensive guard out of Memphis. Micah, what were your thoughts when that pick was signed, sealed, and delivered to Raider Nation? Yeah, well, the first thing was like, you know, just definitely happy that they uh, were started to address the offensive line because that was – a big need for us you know the trenches on both sides very big need for us and we'll obviously dive into that a little bit as we go along here but from everything that you know I looked at and heard about this guy he's um he's going to transition to center uh when it comes in when it comes to getting into the NFL but plays guard played some center kind of played all over and it's just kind of a utility guy that really made a name for himself at center and, and kind of caught people's eyes at the senior bowl so you know, didn't know anything about him when the name was was mentioned, but went and looked at it and excited about it because our biggest thing was, you know, not only not having depth, 
but, you know, not having a whole lot of guys that were super versatile and could be moved around. You know, we had to just rely on a couple guys that could play here and play there and jump around and all that. Jump, jump, jump around. But all in all, I'm excited about it. You know, I like the pick and, and hoping that he will turn into, you know, a great caliber starting offensive lineman. I think our our guy Connor Rogers uh, comped him to Rodney Hudson, so um, which is high praise, and we all know Raider Nation loves loved the Rodney Hudson days. So all in all, I liked it. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it, it was a name that, you know, I had, I had heard prior to the draft just with senior bowl stuff. And, um, but, you know, I don't, I mean, I love the draft. I love football. I don't get into guards that much. Okay. I don't really dive in. I mean, but it's definitely something that kept an eye on because of the need for, for the Raiders. And so a lot of, a lot of what you said, he's a versatile, you know, versatile lineman that can play. He's going to be a center guard, like you mentioned, um, but that gives us some flexibility um, you know, Andre James figuring out that his situation, you know, I've got Denzel Good coming back. You got, what's his name? John Simpson, your boy, John Simpson. So it gives us some, some versatility to potentially kick out good to tackle or, or be able to, um, you know, use Parham as our starting center. And then you can have Good and Simpson on the, as guards. And you also, I mean, I guess we're kicking the tires on, um, what's his name? Who's it? Leatherwood. Uh, well, Leatherwood, sorry, but also, oh. uh, Oh yeah, sorry. Well, I guess that makes yeah. So we'll figure out the, the combination. What it would be with Leatherwood. I that was our first round pick last year. Remember, guys? Yeah, seventeen overall. But regardless, it gives us some flexibility on the interior offensive line. I think that's definitely what we need. Not not a very sexy pick. You know, we we're waiting three rounds to get to the Raiders. But overall, they addressed a, a need that was as far as like value goes. You know, where we took him at ninety. You know, a lot of boards had him. You know, within the top 70, you know, anywhere from 65 to 85, you know, right around there. So I feel like we got some good value all in all, um, which is rare that the Raiders had, you know, get good value compared to consensus boards. So good, uh, good first pick. And it actually fun fact is uh, Reggie McKenzie's first pick the year he was his first year as a GM, you know, we didn't have our first two, two picks either. Um, and so he took a, a guard. I, I totally for Bergstrom, like it's like Tony Bergstrom or something like that. So but I think, you know, Ziegler, I think he made the right call there. So I like the pick. I think he could be a starter for us. Um, but, yeah, what do you got for our next one here? Yeah, so our next pick was fourth round, number 122 overall. We went with Zamir White running back out of Georgia. Uh, as everybody knows, that Georgia team went on to win the national championship. Uh, a lot of praise gets had for uh, their defense, but uh, another big part of their their team was their run game. Um, Andy, what do you have for us on Zamir White? Yeah, I, I was at first a little conflicted because I was, you know, I understand McDaniel's scheme coming over. You know, they they have a lot of running backs. They New England always kept a lot of running backs, and and it was all kind of fit it based on down and distance, based on you know where they're at in the game that they would alternate a lot of guys. So it was one of those things where I'm like, man, really? Like I was thinking corner. I really wanted to go corner there or backer, um, but. They went Zamir White, but then after looking at it, you know, kind of like diving into it a little bit, you have Josh Jacobs, you know, they didn't pick up his option before the draft, right? So that was not indicating that he doesn't have a future with the Raiders, just indicating that this is, he's on the last year of his deal. Um, you also have Kenyon Drake, who <clears throat> we signed into a two-year deal last year. Um, so this will be his last, um, the last year in his contract as well. So you have two running backs that aren't expiring contracts. Doesn't mean we won't move forward with Jacobs, but what it will allow is Zamir White to come in 
um, and be a part of, of this running back committee. And um, I would not be surprised to see him getting snaps early and often. Everything I've heard um, f- about him is he's, you know, he, he was the team captain for Georgia, I, I believe, on the offensive side of the ball. He did split carries with um, James Cook, um, which is Dalvin Cook's little brother, um, who went a little bit earlier um, in the draft. But <clears throat> he was someone that he led Georgia in rushing the last two years. I guess the concerns with him is that I, I believe it was his senior year of high school and first year of college. Um, he tore his ACL back to back. So some injury history, um, especially at the running back position, a very physical position. Uh, there were some concerns with uh, durability, things like that. But if you take the last two years, he was healthy. And even with splitting carries, he led he led the team in, in rushing. Someone that's, um, I mean, I think he's what, six, six, one, you know, two, 215, 220. And so Six foot, 215, exactly. Six, six foot, 215, okay. Yeah, so I think it's, you know, 215, it's, it's, it's a good size. We, we're kind of past the days of the 240-pound running back, everyone. So based on his style of play, he is a power, kind of a power back, but has a ton of burst, too. He ran four fours, so, uh, but he's not one of those, you know, LaShawn McCoys, right? This this juking everyone, hitting circle on the, the Madden controller, you know. He's not one of those guys. He's a downhill runner. He goes between the tackles. He's really good in you know the zone scheme, um, which is what Georgia ran. And so I think he's. I think this could be a potential steal for us, especially so late. And you know I do want to see Jacob successful. I do want to see Drake contribute. If I were to guess, with just with Drake getting older and having that injury last year, this is probably his last year on the Raiders, um, unless something happens with Jacobs where they deal him and we need Drake for depth. Regardless, I think Samir White's going to come in on a rookie deal. And this is the wide receiver positions going this way too, everyone, but you're, you're drafting one or two running backs a year and saying, Hey, I'm going to get three, four years out of you. And then we're going to move off. So if he's someone that can come in and, and provide a spark for us, be a number two back um, behind Jacobs and then potentially in 2023 um, be our lead guy. I think that's, I think it's a good pick, especially in the fourth round at 122. So that's my thoughts on him. Obviously have a little bit more, information on him as I just like to watch the fun positions guys. Okay. Sue me. Right. But Michael, what do you think on, on Zamir White here? Yeah. Um, another one of those things where I just did search and ended up, you know, liking what I was seeing about things. I, I saw something that was talking about how Josh Jacobs was like the fourth most targeted running back in passing last year. So I wouldn't be surprised if you saw get first, second down touches pretty frequently and then Jacobs come in for maybe some second downs, third downs, maybe fourth downs if we're going for it and whatnot and just kind of hitting up a little two-headed monster with those guys. So we'll have to see how things kind of pan out. Like I said, Drake's in the mix there. We'll see how many touches he actually gets, but I'm excited to see how this pans out um, because this could be that transition away from Josh Jacobs, you know, if things don't necessarily pan out on getting another deal. We all know the offense of Josh McDaniels doesn't necessarily value, a, you know, a workhorse running back, and they haven't really had that uh, kind of running back over the years. So I'm not necessarily too worried about not having that workhouse workhorse kind of guy, but as much as I don't want to move on from Jacobs, he's had his issues, you know, injury as well, so – Hopefully he's uh, ends up playing well for us, but. Um, so we had, you know, we had four more picks um, to close out the draft that we'll just kind of rip through fourth round. We had the second or our second pick in the fourth round. We had Neil Farrell D tackle at LSU, Matthew Butler. We took him in the fifth round. Um, he's a D tackle at Tennessee. And then in the seventh, we had two picks. We had Thayer Munford offensive tackle at Ohio state and also uh, Britton Brown um, running back out of UCLA 
pick 250. So it took us, you know, basically two two running backs, two two linemen um, on the offense side, two linemen on the defensive side. Um, any thoughts on those um, those last four picks that the Raiders were ended up able to close out the draft with? Yeah, well, like you mentioned, um, you know, Ziegler went Noah's Ark with our uh, with our draft drafting two of everything. Um, but That's pretty good. I I like um, I like that they address the interior uh, line on both sides of the ball. I heard a lot of great things about Neil Farrell um, and his uh, run stuffing ability. He was ranked, I think, the number one D tackle in Power Five um, in PFF's grade on on run defense for defensive tackles. Not sure why they necessarily went with a running back with their very last pick, just to put some people in the room. Like we've talked about, they like to use lots of different people and a bunch of different, you know, people that work well in certain situations. So maybe it's just adding depth, getting more guys on the offensive line, getting more guys on the defensive line. I was happy about it. You know, I don't know. They could have addressed linebacker. And like you mentioned, they could address corner as well, but all in all, I think they're just those last three rounds or so. They're just trying to get depth, trying to get guys. And they said, um, McDaniel said it, that they're just taking the best guy available on their board at the time, regardless of necessary, you know, specific positional need. They're just, they're taking who they think is the best player to add depth, to add the best talent possible to the roster. So yeah, I think um, I'm excited to see Farrell. The Raiders drafting another Farrell is a little PTSD, but it is what it is. But I like to see how the 2D tackles end up panning out. Yeah. I was just thinking about that, by the way, it is spelt differently um, compared to Klee. So um, hopefully we'll have a little bit better luck. I mean, it'd probably be same same value and output, fourth overall or fourth round, you know, same feral output there. But um, yeah, I agree. I think it's, you know, it wasn't a, a sexy draft by any means, but I think they addressed um, a lot of depth that they needed on interior offensive line um, and interior defensive line, which is good, obviously, Munford to tackle. Um, so I think just once again, creating some depth, it's a versatile scheme on the offensive side. And I know it's a versatile scheme with Patrick Graham, he likes his his hog mollies in the middle. Um, Farrell is a big dog, by the way. He's like three bills, certainly. So, but he's someone that's basically kind of that you know Jonathan Hankins um, type player, where um, just plug the plug the holes, you know, plug the plug the gaps, and then have your linebackers eat in the run game. Um, so I think he adds some good need there. And then with Butler, he's um, more you know more of a longer um, interior. Defensive lineman where he can kind of win with speed, win up the middle, which is um, which is good. I think it's something that um, will give us some once again versatility and, and just add some depth to that D line. So um, yeah, I was a little confused on this on the second running back as well, um, but I think it's just another another training camp back and and you know as we talked about, there's the initial stage with free agency where you fill some needs and then you get into the draft and you want to fill all your needs. You know, just like I said, I'm like, man, I want a corner. I want a backer, but you know, there's, there's still that second wave of free agency to happen. We talked about it, um, you know, at length previously, but post June one is going to free up a lot of cap. That's a month away. Um, so free up some cap. There's still a lot of guys that are out there um, that are available that we can definitely address some needs. And we did, you know, we did address the cornerback need in, in free agency as well um, with, I forgot his name, but the dude from Baltimore. Um, so, Averett. Yeah, Anthony Averett. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, so overall, I think you saw Ziegler. He moved in and out of the picks a lot. Um, did a lot of trading, um, trading up, trading back, um, just because you know that's kind of how their board was working. There's and there's usually a lot of trades. There was a ton of trades in the first round, by the way. Um, but yeah, overall, good good draft. I thought that the 
you know, Ziegler and McDaniels and their, and their staff did really well. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy that it wasn't, we didn't do anything too crazy and we just stuck to our board and dressed some needs. So good for you Raiders. Okay. You, you let us, you know, you know, Brady tried to get us with this, Hey, here's some PTSD, but then you guys quickly said, Hey, don't worry. Remember when we did the draft and we actually did it like normal, normal humans, you know, like a normal franchise. So we're good. We're moving on, but we are going to get into more uh, draft breakdown here. But before we do, Mike, tell the people who this episode is brought to you by. Absolutely. This episode is brought to you by DraftKings. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big game payday during the NBA playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more, and boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place a same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TPPN, bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TPPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Cool. Um, well, let's uh, let's get into this. So, had my my QB rankings right. Got some good input and feedback from the fans. Um, they you know they were basically like, "You are way off here." I said, "Thank you," but Micah supports me. Um, and let's just see how it goes. So I did did my top five. Ran through it. Um, we'll go through the of my list where you know, the order of which they were picked. For, and then also I'll let you know kind of where I had them as well. So my number three quarterback, Kenny Pickett, um, he went, he was the first one off the board. He went to the Steelers at pick 20 um, in the first round. So for only one quarterback went in the first round, which was interesting. There's a lot of buzz coming up or leading up to the draft, but there always is as that position creates a lot of buzz. Um, so my grade on him was second round um, fringe first, Steelers took him at 20. Um, I did peg him to the Steelers. I kept trying to speak that into existence. So I feel good about that, Micah. I'll get through the list, and then I'll, I'm just interested in your thoughts here. Um, the second quarterback off the list, um, this one hurts. My number five graded quarterback, Desmond Ritter. I had a mid-second round grade on him, projected him to the Falcons. He was the second quarterback off the board, but he went in the third, 74th overall, and he did go to the Falcons. Okay, Third quarterback off the board was my number two. Um, ranked quarterback, gave him a mid-first, first-round grade. That's Malik Willis. Um, I pegged him to the Saints or the Titans. Um, he ended up going in the third round, 86th overall to the Titans. Okay, So I'm, I'm kind of on and off right on these, uh, on these predictions here. Um, and then the fourth quarterback off the board was my number one, um, Matt, Matt Corral. Obviously, my number one quarterback had an early first, you know, 10 to 20 first-round game on him. Predicted him to go to the Panthers in the mock draft you know, but thought, you know, something like whether the Panthers would move back, whatever it is, he ended up going in the third round, 94th overall to the Panthers. Okay. So missed, missed it by 70 picks there guys. Okay. But I believe in my guy here. And then actually the sixth quarterback off the board, but um, he was the fourth ranked quarterback in my, or <clears throat> fourth on my list was Sam Howell. Um, quarterback in North Carolina gave him a mid Mid-second round grade. Um, he ended up going the fifth round, which I thought was a shocker. 
Um, I pegged him to the Lions or Seahawks, uh, just another QB needy team. He ended up going in the fifth round, as mentioned, but to the Washington Commanders. So um, I'll pause there. Micah, any thoughts on, you know, from my rankings, how it translated or any feedback you'd like to, to give me here? Yeah, well, as all these things played out and as you're, you're explaining all of this, I think one thing has become apparent from this is that you are very good at looking at a quarterback, checking out his talent, and you know, giving some comparisons and 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 what teams could use him. Where they went, not the greatest. <laughs> wasn't wasn't quite on par. So draft order, not great. But Kenny Pickett went to the Steelers. You mocked him there, right? Mm. Desmond Ritter, you comped him to Marcus Mariota and said, you know, possibly the Falcons. That's where he went. Uh, Matt Corral. To the Panthers, you know, it happened. Not it's, quite where you thought it happened, but it happened, right? There's no picture in the scorecard, dude, right? Exactly. <laughs> Malik Willis, you comped him to Steve McNair. Where did he go? The Titans, who used to be the Oilers. With Sam Howell, your explanation of him was high-end. He could be a starting caliber quarterback. And if not, he just will be in the league 10-plus uh, years like who was it? Who was it that you? Well, I comped him to Case Keenum. Case um, Keenum. That's right. You comped him to Case Keenum, and yeah. on Bleacher Report's coverage, they had a they had a um, thing up on the screen saying could be ten plus year backup quarterback, which is well, it said Case Keenum plus or something. Oh like yes, that. that's so, right. That's yeah. right. Like a like a rich man's version of Case Keenum. Right. So. Exactly. So I think your eyeball for the comparisons and and who they could become. You're living in 3022 compared to the rest of us living in 2022. The actual landing spots within the draft, little off, but yeah, you know, no, I, you win some I appreciate years, that. And yeah, and you gave me, you know, you gave me some good reassurance too um, when the draft was going on. But I would rather like, and I'm not saying I'm right either, right? But I would rather have a better feel for the player, like the type of player, who they are, and how they fit in the NFL and what team they would fit for. I don't determine where they are drafted. Now I was, I'm happy that I hit on those things compared to, and you know, but cause if I didn't hit on anything or it was like, like the only one that didn't go in the top five of quarterbacks was Sam Howell. He went six. And that was because the Patriots drafted Bailey Zappi. Who's just another, he's like the stepbrother of uh, Mac Jones. You know, it's like not, not actually, but like, that's, you know, basically what he is. So anyway, so I'm ha I'm happy. I'm happy with that. I'm happy that I at least got, was close. Um, but you know, I, I think the, the thing is, is that I was just really holding on to Matt Corral going sooner, um, and not fourth in the draft, but I'm okay with, you know, fine. That, that may, that means me and Matt have a chip on our shoulder collectively. Now, if you're going to sit there and look at it, it would be like, okay, who do you think is going to has the potential to start, you know, early on or get some playing time. You look at Kenny Pickett, it's already been um, noted that he's competing for the starting role. So, he could start day one. He was the most quarterback ready um, prospect in the draft. So that would make a lot of sense. And then you look at Corral, who I, you know, you have Sam Darnold in, in the room and it's, it's Corral against Darnold. Now I think he has some things to develop. Yes, I understand the system, but I, Sam Darnold has an injury history. I'm not wishing anything ill upon him um, or his family, but injury history also up and down performance. I can see if Corral pops early in training camp and practice that he would get a shot too. You look at Ritter. You know, Mariota is going to be the bridge. Obviously, them taking him 
in the third round, you know, as the second quarterback selected, they, they love him. And I think he, someone that could see the field towards the end of year one or be the starter year two, Sam, Howell, you got to compete against Taylor Heineke. So good luck because that guy's got some juice and he has pizzazz and you can't pay for that. Okay? Those are intangibles. And then, yeah, I guess Malik Willis, I think this is a perfect starting point for them. I did, you know, felt it and heard some things about, you know, the Titans being a sneaky um, quarterback needy team. Um, you look at, Tannehill, you know, mid thirties, he has a big contract this year, but I think it's a perfect scenario where Willis comes in, can just be the backup. Now there were some interesting things said about um, that this week, Tannehill, I believe it was two days ago said, I'm not here to, to mentor him, which he could have chose his words, certainly different. Um, just like I could have chosen my order different, but we didn't and we're standing on it. So uh, I think it's a perfect situation for Willis to be the starter, you know, year two, year three, depending on the contract situation with Tannehill. So all in all, all good. All good. All right. We'll see. Okay. We'll see how good Ritter is. Okay. It's just, you want Marcus Mariota? Okay. We'll sign him and then draft the guy that's him. So then you can have him forever. You know, sweet dude. But a lot of handoffs in his future, certainly. Yeah. And what's funny, I think Tannehill went full-blown, um, Charles Barkley, I am not a role model. <laughs> that's like the vibe different here. situations, I would imagine. Um, but yes, that's a good that's a good poll by you. So yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I'm I'm interested uh, to see how my guy can develop. I don't have anything against Ritter. I'm trying to say that, but I just but, but when he went after Pickett, and then you know Corral just went two rounds later or whatever it was. It just it, then I, I felt defensive. Okay, I felt a little tacked and. I'm a Matt Corral stand and I'm a Desmond Ritter. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to hate him. I'm just going to say, dude, you, Atlanta, you like handoffs? Sweet. You like short passes? Oh, you drafted Drake London? Well, Mariota's going to be the one throwing to him. And by the way, he's not very good either at throwing the ball. So, anyhow, I'm done now. I'm done with my Ritter hate. It's not hate. It's just skepticism, you know? He's it's a father, like, okay, okay, as well. And I'm a father. Like, I, I respect the guy. He's a leader. But he, we probably could have the same accuracy throwing the ball, you know, not right. But anyhow, that's it. That's my QBs, guys. Okay, we'll, we'll get that. We'll get into this next year. So just don't you worry. Anyways, draft's done. Obviously, I love draft season. We like to dive into it a little less um, less in depth because of the Raiders picks. You know, not having that first or second round, but. Like we said, feel good about the haul that we have. We'll see how the second wave of free agency goes. Um, before we go, anything, any notes on on just the draft in general? I mean, we talked obviously about um, non-Raider stuff with the quarterbacks, but anything that stuck out to you in this wild NFL draft? Um, yeah, I, nothing you know too in-depth or too particular. I think you're starting to see an interesting thing. We saw A.J. Brown get dealt. Um, he went to Philly. And, you know, they got rid of one of their first round picks. And then we saw um, Hollywood Brown get dealt as well. I think you're starting to see the NFL kind of take wide receivers and semi go towards, like you said, the running back vibe of the value long term isn't necessarily there, you know, unless you're a Devontae Adams and even he got dealt, you know what I mean? So it's like receivers are starting to, you know, they're not starting to get those big I mean, they are and they got these big contracts we saw with hill and all that stuff but teams are willing to deal them and they were willing to deal them for some first round picks and was it because this receiver group was pretty heavy um and pretty talented maybe teams felt like they were fine you know taking that flyer on 
you know, getting first round talent that would end up producing. But it was just interesting to see that happen. Also, the Titans traded AJ Brown so they could draft Project AJ Brown. Um, before As you I predicted, flashback to my wide receiver mm-hmm. predictions. They took Traylon Burks, so I thought that was pretty funny. But yeah, and honestly, like this isn't not just fluffing up here, but that I saw those comparisons a lot too from you know like Daniel Jeremiah, you know Miller, those guys like they similar comparisons. So shout out you, dude. Um, but going to that point, like we don't need to spend too much time on this, but. You got so Brown gets dealt to to the Eagles and then instantly gets a contract four years, a hundred million dollars. So if you keep your track at home, 25 a year. Traylon Burks was selected um, in that spot, I think it was 12 or whatever it was. His projected contract is four years, 14 million dollars. Okay, so that's three and a half a year. Okay, now so now we're talking about 21, 22 million dollars difference. Now, is he AJ Brown? We don't know. Does he have a lot of traits and similarities? Can be used in the same thing? Yeah. Does that mean he's going to produce? There's so many things that could happen, right? But if you just look at it, 22 a year for someone who has some top end and his ceiling is the player that you're trading, it makes sense, right? Because who, you know, there's probably certain um, contracts and things they got to figure out outside of Brown that they just couldn't pony up and pay him, you know? So just like you said, right? It's it's kind of the NFL is going that way to where if teams are in this pinch where they have to decide whether to pay a, a, a receiver $25, $30 million, just like the Chiefs were in, they're just going to have to they, – they just move off of them because there's so many talented receivers that were in this draft that were really the last three or four drafts that can be an immediate impact and I, I think be able to supplement some of that production that, you know, moving off of A.J. Brown. You can't really replace Tyreek Hill, right, but you can still – you still have Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, you know, and so then they go get Christian Watson. So you'll be fine, you know. So it's interesting how the business goes into it versus just the players that are, you know, these are superstars. They're white, you know, the NFL is a passing league and those wide receivers, they eat, dude. So it's like obviously superstars big to the fan base and it's hard to remove your fan hat at times, just like the Packers are still crying over, you know, Devontae Adams. But when you get put in the position of that in business, you know, it's it's just hard to, to validate or understand sometimes. So anywho, very fascinating topic. Interesting to see where, where the NFL is going. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that too, because that was definitely some big news. And then Hollywood Brown, obviously, like you said, going to the Cardinals, that was interesting. Um, goes, you know, gets back with his college running mate, um, Kyler Murray. And then to find out two days ago um, after the draft that DeAndre Hopkins got popped for PEDs. So maybe they knew <laughs> before, maybe everyone's like, Oh dang, DeAndre, you know, Hollywood Brown, Andy Isabella still sucks. Like, yeah, we got a good core here. AJ Green's 97 years old, but, and that's my guy Connor's team, by the way. And I don't want to talk shade, but, but then that, when that news came out with Hopkins, you're like, oh, okay. You know, they, they might've had an idea here, but anywho, the draft is fun, man. It was, it was pretty crazy, especially because, you know, the quarterbacks, there's a lot of buzz, but nothing really happened in, in the early rounds, at least, you know, outside of Pickett. but there was just so much trade moving and shaking with, with, different GMs and and because like there there's 32 teams in the NFL as everyone knows there was 18 teams picking in the first round because like Jets had two picks end up getting a third in the first the Giants had two picks Texans had two picks um the Lions had the first and the 32nd but moved up to but stuck with their 32nd took their 34th to move up to 11 to take Jameson Williams so there was like a third of the teams in the NFL that were doing all the work in the first round. So it's fascinating to see how, how that worked out and, and all the movement that kind of um, came about as well. So 
But uh, yeah, man, we're on. We're moving on to the off season here. You know, I know. I, I believe it starts um, kind of late, mid to late May, um, like rookie mini camp, um, things like that. OTAs are coming up, so definitely we'll have some some more content for you guys um, as well with a second wave of free agency. And looking forward to to kind of continuing to shape this this Las Vegas Raiders roster. So that's all I got, my friend. Anything else on yours on your side of the pond? No. Uh... I think that's covered just about all of it. Um, just wanted to announce to everybody, I'm officially in paradise now. Mm-hmm. Um, got a house, and uh, and we're we're back back in the dice. The boys are both the boys are back in town, yeah. literally. So that's what I meant by the pond. Oh, gotcha. I don't know. Yeah, um, I, I thought that's what you were talking about. That's why I was like, I'll just throw. I, that no, it was a terrible. I should have said hill, you know, um, or town ridge. Because um, we are, we literally are on opposite sides of the town. Um, so yeah, but excited to be up here. I'm going to go on one tiny little tangent real quick before we just ended. So anybody that's moved, buying a house or moving in general, and as you know, recently, it's it's a lot. It takes a lot. Uh, very stressful. We kind of got to a point um, the other night where we were just finally sitting in bed just like, man, we're in, this is awesome. And I've been stressed out for so long and we're sitting there eating leftover pizza. Right. And anybody that's ever rocked paper plates for their, uh, as during their childhood, you know, whenever you warm anything up that has cheese on it, um, it pretty much melts to the paper plates. Right. Yeah. So yeah. we're sitting there and I just got this little piece of cheese tore off with a little piece of paper plate and I ate it. And it was just one of those things that almost like brought relief upon me and kind of gave me that like took me back to my childhood vibe which was in paradise growing mm-hmm. up in paradise and it was just kind of that for that thing that hit me that was just like man why am i so stressed like this that, is that this was is, your initiation back in back into the ridge dude yeah so. it was and it was just like you know <laughs> 10 p.m on a on a tuesday night and i just eat this piece of uh paper paper plate cheese and it just mm-hmm. like something about it just hit me so yeah, it, I, I, I I like that a lot, man. Um, yeah, I think it's it's that's cementing the fact that you're back in town. Um, and also, you know, if anyone is feeling stressed, feeling exhausted, if life's too busy, first seek medical attention if it's an emergency or your doctor, or take Micah's advice and just overheat some pizza to where the cheese sticks on the plate and eat that as well. And you'll be right back, just like that, so you're and see see you're like you're like our pseudo medical advisor too okay because we talk about the acls right you're always you're always giving your your advice and support for that uh, everyone here at the rape take podcast um, we thank you for for your service there doctor <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it well um that being said we appreciate all the love from you guys please share subscribe rate review give us those five stars on apple podcast uh go check out the website raidertakepodcast.com Go follow our YouTube. We're sorry that we didn't get an episode out last week. Um, we basically ghosted all you guys. I didn't even do anything on Twitter. Um, at one point, all my stuff was loaded up in a U-Haul on a Thursday night. And we didn't move until Monday. So I was basically living as a bum um, at Andy's house uh, with all my stuff in a, in a U-Haul. So, But yes, we apologize for that. And, you know. We I don't apologize for a damn thing, by the way. <laughs> we appreciate you guys riding with us. Yeah. So. Until next week, we'll talk to y'all later. Peace.